0: Welcome to episode number 50 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I discuss whether the juice is worth the squeeze. This episode was inspired by our interactions with clients who question the process and wonder if all the effort that they're putting in is actually worth it, or if this journey is actually sustainable for their goals. We go over a bunch of things that just aren't worth your sweat or sacrifice that eventually you can let go of to truly achieve balance and longevity in this journey. We also want to say thank you to all of our listeners who have been around since the beginning and all of our new listeners who are just tuning in for episode number 50. We're really excited to be hitting this milestone and can't wait to continue making episodes for you guys for years on end. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Number 50, Is the Juice Worth the Squeeze?
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're just gonna kind of start off with some little mini updates, and then we'll jump into the main topic.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, you want to go first? Give us a pregnancy update. Sure. So, uh, honestly, there's really not a whole lot to update on. <laughs>
1: um, so, I I think we talked about this in one of the episodes, but. I was listening to a podcast on pregnancy when I like first found out that I was pregnant and it was all about the first trimester. So I was trying to figure out like what to expect. And they were like, honestly, like you probably won't find any second trimester podcast because there's nothing to talk about. And that's, (laughs) that's kind of how I feel now. Like other than, um, well, I mean, this was really big, but I, I did feel I've been feeling movement and my husband has been able to feel the baby move. And so that's been really exciting. And also just kind of like a very weird kind of feeling to be like, I have this alien inside me, like, (laughs) um, but really other than that, this is the best I felt my entire pregnancy. It's the most me I felt. I don't have any like brain fog that I know of at
0: least. Um, (laughs) maybe now it's just your new normal.
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. But I, I feel the most me. I'm not, I will sleep in like a little bit extra, but I'm not napping during the day. I don't have any weird cravings. I, I have all my energy back. I just feel normal. Um, I did have it, my first like emotional breakdown in pregnancy and was like bawling the other day, but Um, I I like, (laughs) it was only for like a couple minutes and I was like, huh, that was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I don't know, other than that, like things have been like pretty normal. So there's not a whole lot to update on. My next appointment will be my 24 week appointment on the November 11th. So veterans day, it's crazy. And yeah, it's super crazy. So I will be doing the glucose test. And I've heard a lot of people actually fail it, but like, don't actually have like gestational diabetes. So it's, it's just, I don't know. I think it's partly because of what they have you consume, Mm
0: -hmm. not
1: necessarily like, I don't know. So is it a, is it an oral glucose test or do they do a finger prick or what is that? No, it's oral. I'm pretty sure. Well, so I I'll, I'll do the glucose drink and then I think they take my blood Because the only reason I know this is because I've (laughs) made really good friends with the uh, blood ladies, I guess, (laughs) like the the blab. Um, So the first time I went in and I didn't expect to have my blood drawn. And that's when they took like four vials of blood and... I don't think I had like eaten anything and I'm like very, very prone to passing out. So like the whole time I was talking to them, I was like looking away and like facing a wall and they were talking to me and, um, I don't know why I was just making small talk and I said something about being a bodybuilder and one of them was like, "Oh, my uh my nephew is a bodybuilder. He lives in Albuquerque and she was like trying to pull up his Facebook and she was showing me all of these pictures of him like in the gym, like his like workout <laughs> selfies. Um, but it was I don't know. I just like I love them so much. They're just like so sweet and then I had to go back a second time and they, I, you know, I think I said something to them. I was like, ladies, I love you, but I really just don't want to see you that often. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't like why I have to come see you. And they were like, well, we're going to see you back for your glucose test soon. So that's like the only time I've ever heard anything about it. Like my uh, providers haven't said anything, but it's also really weird the way my hospital works where and this might be similar. Some people have this experience where you don't have one consistent doctor. So every time I go, I have a new provider. And so it's good and bad because it's bad because you can't really build that history. And every single time you meet someone, you have to like kind of re-explain everything you've gone through. But at the same time, the idea is if you do go into delivery and your primary doctor isn't there, you at least have some sort of relationship with someone who could potentially deliver your baby. So, yeah, it's like good and bad. Um. But again, it's like, same thing. I haven't really had anyone be like, oh, this is what to expect at your next appointment. They're just like, all right, we'll see you back in four weeks. Like, cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was just curious because like, I I remember we talked about this a while ago and I, I, it was pre podcast days, but like when I was like going through all that stuff with my blood glucose and I was like testing high, but I felt totally normal and healthy. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. curious if it's like something like that, where like, you can just read high on your blood sugar, but it like doesn't necessarily mean you're actually having problems but i i don't know about the nitty-gritties of gestational diabetes beyond you know that it is a thing and people yeah. get it and more likely yeah. to have it um,
1: um yeah i mean this is probably something that we can talk about in another podcast but i actually just recently started following a account where it talks about like if you actually do have it and it kind of will tell you um things that you should follow or like how you should change your diet, like instead of eating um, or instead of like eliminating carbs, it's like, oh well, try to eat carbs with like cheese or a handful of almonds or something, like pairing carbs with fat. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah. Um so it's gestational diabetes uh nutrition. So if yeah. anyone is listening and experiencing that, it's a really good account that I started following.
0: Nice. Yeah. I saw you yeah. repost something from them a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, so oh, carbs with friends, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was carbs with friends. And it was like, instead of having a slice of bread, have a slice of bread and, and meat or cheese or whatever. And K- I butter. just, I, I looked at it. And so if you guys don't know this, I troll Christina really hard on Instagram. So everything that she posts, I'll just reply, like mocking her or mocking the post. And like, I don't know how we're friends at this point because I'm so, I'm so awful to her, <laughs> laying out a spelling error that I made. But basically, like I saw the, it said carbs with friends and I just lost it. I don't know. I just thought it was the funniest thing. (laughs) So yeah, I made fun of that for sure. So I remember that distinctly, but Um, (laughs) my side of things is basically, you know, today we're going to be talking about like, is the juice worth the squeeze? This is something one of my clients said verbatim that I was like, Hmm, this is like a good podcast topic name. I also wanted to point out the fact that this is episode 50. So that's super freaking cool. We're halfway to 100. um, And I think we're ahead of schedule for 52 episodes in a year for whatever reason. I don't know how that worked. We took like...
1: Didn't we start in December?
0: uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I was like 52 weeks. 52 weeks should be... Yeah. So I like the math doesn't line up but essentially we are going to have 52 episodes with so, <laughs> yeah. um, before the year, uh, the year mark of this podcast. That's super cool. So yeah, we really appreciate everyone who's listened through and has binged our, our podcast and has been here from the start too. But um, yeah, personal side of things. So I've been talking a lot about lately have been struggling to get up in the mornings to go to the gym. And this past week was super weird. I, I, only trained twice, uh, basically like slept in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, trained Thursday was off. Cause it's a four day split. So it's two days on one day off and repeat. And Thursday evening, we were out on a walk and it wasn't like cold and it wasn't warm, but like, I was shivering, like mm. just every, like my hands were ice cold. My toes were cold. And it was like, my body was shivering the whole walk. And I was like, I don't think at first I was like, Oh, this is whatever. Like, I'll just call it all warm up as I walk. Right. It just didn't change. And so the whole walk, I was miserable. I get back and I'm like fatigued and like, I just, I was so tired and like, I don't know, it felt like, like I'm almost feverish. And so I just laid down, slept for like 12 hours Friday. Didn't feel great. Um, kind of had to take like most of that day off kind of like just laid on my ass and <laughs> didn't really do anything. Saturday woke up like, nothing had ever happened probably Hmm. because I slept more than 24 hours in those two days combined. So I think I just slept whatever it was off super weird. Haven't had a single symptom since. Um, but basically, uh, that caused me to not train Friday and then Saturday I had plans. So did not train Sunday, opted to not train. So it was just a weird week. So I was really just like set on, fixing my mindset around things. And a lot of times I realize like, if I'm not consistently showing up for myself, that a lot of like my mindset around like business and career and all of, and like my relationships, like that starts to suffer if I'm not disciplined in my own fitness routine. So I started noticing those things happening, like just a generally more negative attitude and like, just kind of like, Letting self-doubt creep in and just having like issues with that and the mental games that that played on me. So I was like, you know what, you know, screw this, I'm gonna take back control of my routine. And so now I'm back in the gym, three days strong. I actually woke up before my alarm today because I've been taking care of my bedtime routine. So moral of the story, if you're feeling like crap, but you're also Mm -hmm. not taking care of yourself, those things are probably related and you should take care of yourself first so that you feel better after. (laughs) And it's like you have to lead with action and discipline before you see a result that goes for anything. But, um, kind of just where I'm at right now. Thankfully um on the up uphill now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny because sometimes you think that self-care is like sleeping in, skipping the gym and giving yourself like that mental break, which absolutely is sometimes like if yeah. you're feeling burnt out. Definitely. But at the same time, if you just are kind of like being a little lazy, it's like you start, it starts to spill over into other areas of your life. So I'm glad that you recognize that. And you're like, I need to get my shit together.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was like, there was definitely like a, in the past couple of weeks, there have been a few days where it was like, I really did need the extra sleep. I did need to give myself grace. But then I was like this past week, I was like, okay, I let it go on for too long. Like, yes, I got it kind of sick on Friday, but like Saturday, Sunday, didn't have an excuse. Like (laughs) that was just me being an asshole. So, uh, back on that now and and just feeling a lot better about myself and my mindset and everything moving forward. So, um, yeah, good personal lesson. And, you know, I struggle with that shit too. Like I fell off kind of hard and it was just, it was hard to get back on, but now we're, now we're back at it and feeling better than ever. One
1: of the things I will mention about getting up early, though, is it has definitely been a struggle for me the past maybe month or so, maybe two, three months ago. I was getting up like like 5 45, six o'clock, latest 6 15. And I've found myself sleeping in like this morning, I slept until 7 30. And part of it is just because of how dark it is still. Yeah. It's so light. It's the light. And that's what uh, I've noticed. So this is the first time. I have ever been looking forward to daylight savings, not to gain another hour for sleep, but just so it gets lighter in the morning and I start waking up earlier. And I was yeah. like, "Wow, I, does this make me an adult?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to wake up at five forty-five. <laughs> yeah, wow. but but that definitely is part of it. And so I know that there there are some of those like night lights where they have that it like gradually brightens your room. Yeah, and so it's supposed to mock like the sunlight. And I've like been contemplating that more and more. Cause I'm like, wow, like instead of trying to like drag myself out of bed, maybe I get something like that. And I just like naturally wake up, feel more refreshed and then just start my day and it's earlier and it doesn't feel like a chore.
0: Yeah. One of my clients actually sent me a link to that because she was talking about this daylight alarm clock. And I was like, I was like, send me that I'm interested. So like, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've honestly been looking at that too, because it's just like a more natural way, way to, wake to wake up, up especially mm-hmm. with like how dark it is out right now. Yeah. Rather than an alarm clock waking you up and yeah, which sucks, but <laughs> yeah, I want to get into the topic. So, yes. so basically like, is the juice worth the squeeze? It's kind of like a vague topic. So I want to give some context. And basically today we're going to be talking about like stuff that isn't worth your stress, your worry, your sweat. Uh, And what really sparked me thinking about this was I had a situation with a client she checked in, she's a star client. Like she has been, I think she's been 10 weeks with me so far and she has been absolutely crushing it. Like she has just been, you know, the ideal client in terms of like you want to have an active participant in the journey. You want them to have a voice in what's going on. You want them to be engaged. You want them to be learning, understanding what's going on with all of this. And basically she like took that by the reins and she's been super just like in-depth with her entire journey And she's been really just disciplined with like making sure she gets to the gym, making sure she does plan ahead, track her macros and do all these things. And she's seen some really sick results because of it. It's awesome. But this week she checked in and she reported to me that she's just been feeling like like having this crisis, almost this mental crisis of like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, is the, is all the stuff that I'm doing right now worth it? And like, is it actually sustainable? And so basically the conversation that I had to have with her was like, technically, no, what you're doing right now is not sustainable, uh, but it's really about figuring out like, okay, this is like the learning curve. Like you have now done these things, you now have this understanding because of how much you applied yourself, but we have to let go of some things in order for you to actually live this lifestyle out long-term. So basically I, I kind of explain how being super, super disciplined and super rigid with your stuff has a double edged sword to it right so the the one side is you get so much benefit from applying yourself and applying your effort wholeheartedly because you learn faster you accumulate the knowledge quicker you basically are able to take the next step quicker but and just being
1: more accurate allows changes from the coach's yeah. side of things and allows you kind of more more accurate data of
0: course more accurate data better results faster mm-hmm. results too mm-hmm. so like that's one side the other side is that it does take a mental toll there is stress and strain associated with being rigid with a diet being restrictive uh taking extra time to plan your macros to meal prep like all of that stuff takes mental and physical energy and so if you're doing that constantly it's like you know that's why diets that require you to do that all the time fail. That's why, you know, stuff that requires you to overhaul your whole life and focus only on fitness fail long-term. And so you have these two sides of the coin. And then really what we have to figure out from that point on is what stuff can we let go of? Like, what can we like release control from? What things do we need to learn how to live in uncertainty with and how do we actually have balance and longevity in this journey? So these things today, the stuff that's not worth the sweat is kind of like, if you've gone through this learning curve and you're, you've tracked your macros and you've been super disciplined, but you don't want to be super disciplined anymore because it's burning you out, that's valid. And these are the things that we think are probably the biggest culprits and like those things that stress people out and cause too much, too much worry for what it's worth. Um, and basically those things that we can let go of and still like have that balance and longevity in this journey. Does that make sense?
1: No, absolutely. And so one of the things I was thinking about is kind of how I handle this with my clients. And so I basically have this conversation with them and I'm like, Hey, if we're in this, like Maintenance mode, or we're in this kind of quote unquote off season, uh, not necessarily someone who's a competitor, but like they're eating a good amount of food. They don't have very, very specific goals other than just trying to like build a shit ton of muscle. Um, I'll kind of be like, hey, this is your time where you can be flexible. Like, this is the time where you can implement this, like, you know, going and eating out and not being super rigid with your macros. Because when it comes time to start dieting, if you have very specific goals, we don't want to diet for, you know, a year like that, that's dumb. And we don't want to, uh, already have you burnt out before we start a dieting phase that you can't even complete it because it's driving you crazy. So I kind of let them know, like, this is the time where you really want to kind of like implement that real like lifestyle. And then when it comes down to it, like you can, again, we, we always talk about turning up that dial turning it up and then getting in and getting out, (laughs) kind of like doing what you need to do and then being more accurate. And then, you know, going back to being a little bit more lenient. Um, so that's usually how I approach it with my clients because yeah, it's, it's a real thing where you have clients who are super neurotic and they hit their macros and you're like, Hey, you can, you can chill a little bit. I mean, it's great. It's great. (laughs) But it, it can lead to like, Hey, I, I like, don't think I can
0: track my macros anymore. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you say that because it's like, you get a client here and there who's like, they're super invested. So they, they put everything into it for like the Mm -hmm. first few weeks. And it's like, I, you know, I love that energy, right. I love that this person is really like embracing everything that this journey, you know, starts with, but I I had this hesitation, like from the very beginning, whenever I have a client who like week one, they like basically nail their macros and they've never done this before. I'm like, okay, how many hours of like planning and learning went behind that? And like, I love that energy. I love that you want to pick it up quickly, but like also like, that's a warning sign, right? Because it's like, they're going to go for a few weeks. They're going to be like, okay, cool, cool. Results, results, awesome. Like I learned so much, but then like, it's like you get a message on like week seven, eight for, for this client that, it, you know, I prefaced this whole story with, it was week 10. It was like, dude, I don't think I can do this anymore. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, because you went so freaking hard for like two months. Like, of course, right? And so it's like, it's almost it's not to compare clients at all, but it's like almost a more beneficial situation to have someone who like kind of has to like ease their way in versus like going super hard out the gate. Like there's pros and cons to both obviously, but it's like, that was a warning sign right from the very beginning. I'm like, oh, this person's going super hard. Like I need to watch out, make sure they don't burn out, warn them, warn them, warn them. And then all of a sudden it's still like, oh my God, I'm burnt out, why? And then I have to explain (laughs) it again, right? And so it all comes back to, the muscle and strength pyramids is what makes me think of is like with, uh, your diet, when you increase rigidity, you decrease flexibility, um, you know, you increase adherence, decrease flexibility. So that balance is so delicate. Um, so it's really important to kind of keep the fact that that's always a teetering scale in mind. So like when you're first learning, it can be really great to like increase rigidity get results, have more adherence, but like, we have to know when to kind of like pump the brakes on that. So, yeah, you just made me think of like how that's such a, it's a warning sign and it's good energy and we like it as coaches, but at the same time, it's like, we got to watch out because it can turn into something like every other diet that they've ever tried before. If they don't, you know, kind of keep an eye on their, their mentality
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that kind of just brings up another can of worms, but it's like, just communicate with your coach. Like sometimes we fall into the trap of wanting to be this perfect client that we don't really actually let them know like, yeah, I hit my macros perfectly, but it's taking me four hours every single day. I'm, you know, I'm having mental breakdowns at the end of the night, trying to figure out that like last bit of my macro puzzle. So, you know, letting you know, your coach, if something doesn't feel right, or if something doesn't feel like, uh, this can be sustainable in the long term because they might be able to give you some additional insight or some different resources, or maybe even like we were talking about right now, like just kind of like a little mindset switch.
0: Yeah, totally. So yeah, I mean, with that, let's dive into what makes, uh, you know, what is not worth the sweat? What are the things that we can start to let go of uh, when we're at this point where like, maybe we are starting to feel a little burnt out or we just, you know, we don't want to be super rigid anymore. So like what I think really increasing our understanding of why these things can be let go of is important. So we're going to go, um, into each of these a little bit in depth. So the first one is just making sure that, you know, if you're making sure that every single thing that you put into your phone or your body is accurate on a food scale, like hundred percent of the time. So this is something that like really comes to light with like those clients who are like, they're super enthusiastic. They want to be neurotic. They want to like learn these things, um, to a T, But it's at the expense of they refuse to eat out. They must bring their food scale everywhere. And they have all of this anxiety and fear around making estimations with food out. So these are the types of clients that I'm literally pushing to like, I need you to eat at a restaurant this week. Like I need you to go out and I need you to estimate and I need it to be okay. (laughs) And so one thing, there's a little rabbit hole that I like to get into every now and again, and I wanted to get into it today. And it's basically just like, why does that actually not matter? Like estimating. So, you know, yes, if you weigh something to the gram and you plug it in and you put that exact amount in your body, technically that's accurate, right? But what is accurate? Cause that's as good as it's going to get, but guess what? If you grow, I, I'm using this example. Cause I had blueberries this morning. If you grow blueberries from at one farm versus another, And like the soil is more nutrient dense at one place than another. Those nutrient profiles on those blueberries might be a little bit different. Even if you log the same blueberries, right? Or if you get a steak and it's a, it's a sirloin, but like one cow was fatter than the other, their sirloin might have more fat than the other. We don't know these things. We will never know these things. So there is always uncertainty, even in the most accurate things that we track, And so I like to get down to this rabbit hole, not to make you think like, oh God, then what's the point of any of this? But to realize that there is always uncertainty, no matter how accurate we try to track. So whatever is the best available option to track something is always going to be great. So if you weigh your stuff at home, and you plug it in and you put it in your body, it's as accurate as going as it's gonna get. That's awesome. Same thing goes when you're out to eat. If you're out to eat and you order something and you estimate with your eyes and you plug it in and you say, this is as good as it's gonna get, you're right. And it's still so much better than the alternative. And so that's what's something, something that's really important to keep in mind is just that perspective. It's always better than the alternative if you're gonna be tracking to estimate. And kind of getting rid of that fear by like looking at it with the opposite extreme, basically.
1: Yeah. And you can say the same thing for packaged foods too, right? I think there's 20% 20 variance that you could have or that they allow for error. And then same thing, like you could have, uh, we've been talking about quest bars lately. So (laughs) the first item that came to mind, but let's say, you know, you have a quest bar and you have it for breakfast every single morning, you've been doing it for the past year, that quest bar, like, what you ate, you think it's the same every single morning, but it could be off by like you know fifty calories, hundred calories, maybe not a hundred, um, but it could be off and vary every single day, even though you've been keeping that variable the same. Um, so like you might have a different batch of bars one day. You could have some bars like even if in the same batch they weigh a different amount. And I think that correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember I think you weighed your Quest bars. At one point, or maybe that
0: wasn't you. I've like tried weighing a bunch of stuff just to like, see, like if you weigh a slice of bread out of like a, out of a loaf and it says like a slice is this many grams, guess what? It's probably not. It's probably going to be more. And like, those are things, those are uncertainties that we have to live with. That doesn't mean weigh your bread every single time you make toast, but like literally understand that like, even the stuff in the, in the packages has variability and, you know, in, in errors in measurement. That
1: just made me think. So I've been buying this brand of sourdough bread and it's this big loaf and it says, you know, on the packaging, that's that shape. Yeah. It's like this like dome. And so, you know, that the very like end of the bread is like the, like this humongous piece. And then like, you have the little heel of the bread and like the little, and so it's like one slice, 25 carbs or something. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense right all of they all weigh like different I mean but it's hard they can't say well the end piece is this amount and then the middle piece is
0: this amount and then like so I get it but it's like I don't know okay yeah but then then look at it as like okay well what happens if I You know, the neurotic people listening to this might be like freaking panicking, like having an anxiety (laughs) attack listening to this right now. But like, let's like, let's like look at this from the perspective of what actually happens if you eat a slice of bread every day from that sourdough loaf and you, and you just log it as what it is in, you know, on the label, it averages out. Like the biggest, the biggest piece is probably more than that. And the smallest piece is probably less over the course of two weeks, your intake will have evened out most likely to the average, which is most likely what's on the label. Right. So like, that's where you can be like, Oh, let me breathe. Like, okay, (laughs) it's okay. Like, especially if you're being consistent day to day, which we'll get to later that like, that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, oh, I just always thought it was funny. Like my macro side of my brain is like, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think, and, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier was, you know, it's, it's important to eat out. It's important to socialize with friends and families. And just cause you're tracking your macros doesn't mean that you can't do that. And the idea of tracking macros is so you can be more flexible. And so you can have those outings and. It doesn't make sense, and it's not sustainable if you can't do those things because you can't stay home and hermit the rest of your life. So that's why we do think it's important. Like, yeah, of course, we we want our clients to be accurate. We want them to to like really be invested and to try. But if you're staying at home and you're worried about not going to you know your Memorial Day barbecue or something because you don't know what's going to be there and you're not going to be able to track accurately. Well, that's not something that you can sustain for a long period of time. So that is one of the reasons why we encourage you guys to do that. And to just kind of get more comfortable, just kind of like eyeballing things and just saying, you know what, it might not be hundred percent accurate, but I'm going to try my best. And this is one day out of, you know, the past two weeks that I'm going to be a little bit more kind of flexible with my diet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then it's like context, context too, because it's like, okay, you know, estimate and track if you're in that position where like you are learning this and you need to practice it and you need to, you know, be on that learning curve and see results. But then there's also the person where it's like, okay, you need to learn that like, this doesn't need to go in my fitness pal. You can look at those foods and make the right choices because you now have this knowledge of what your macros entail. And you should be able to portion your plate accordingly without having the validation of an app to tell you that it was right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's people in different places of this journey and you really need to be able to self-identify, like, where am I here? Like, am I newer to this? Am I a veteran? Like, and, and what are my weakest points and what do I need to work on?
1: Right. So I have a client right now who is kind of the opposite and she's struggling and she struggles the most on the weekends being in social settings and, and you know, not being able to hit her macros and we'll go way over on fat and under on protein. And so we're like, Hey, what are the barriers to you being able to hit your macros on the weekend? Like, what can we remove? What can we do to make things easier? And for her, we'd we'd be having a different conversation. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. want you to be accurate. It's like, Hey, what can we do to implement a little bit more discipline? So like you mentioned, it's, it's all dependent upon the client and like what they're experiencing. But for those people who are like, Spending four hours a day, not thinking that they can keep it up. Like this is who we're
0: talking to. Definitely. Awesome. So yeah, let's move on. Um, so what else isn't worth the sweat? And so this one is like a, just kind of an FAQ that I get from like clients starting out a lot. So that's like tracking the, the zero calorie stuff. So like a lot of times I'll be looking at a client's food logs and I'm like, why did you plug in your, your black coffee? Like, (laughs) why did you plug in your multivitamin? So like basically stuff that's like inherently or close to zero calories, I think is really important that you kind of just let go of tracking those things less because of like the caloric value and more so because of like, it's just one more thing that like you're thinking about that you don't need to think about. So like coffee has what, like two calories, but like you burn it from like the energy increase you have from having caffeine, like, don't worry about that. Artificial sweeteners, uh, diet sodas, your multivitamin, like I I would just say like, don't worry about that. Just take it every day or use it every day, however you normally would. And then like, uh, vitamins with, with calories. So things like, uh, or vitamins or supplements with calories. So personally, I know, I don't know if you do right now, but I personally take a, a collagen a greens, um, and a fish oil. Those things all have calories like collagen has collagen protein greens has like a couple of carbs, a couple of protein um, and fish oil has some fat. And I get this question all the time. is like, how do I track this? And, you know, the thing with collagen specifically is like, it's not going to go towards muscle recovery, which is why we're upping our client's protein intake. So it just confuses things. And so like to avoid the confusion, I'm just like, don't track it. Just take it every day. (laughs) And so just like not tracking those things because it's like if it's going to be a constant anyways if we manipulate your food take up food intake up and down across a span of time and that's constant throughout that's gonna it's basically gonna change the same amount
1: um i have been wanting to take collagen and i can't (laughs) because it's sold out oh (laughs) Um, so i remember i asked you and you were like yeah just text sam Oh, so yeah, I, actually, I don't have the answers
0: for those things.
1: Yeah. So I actually just pulled up the website right now and I'm going to email me when it's back in stock, but collagen actually is something, again, talk to your doctor, but is something that's pretty important to take while you were pregnant.
0: Yeah. I mean, shoot, you're building collagenous tissue for a, for a baby and yourself. So I guess, yeah, d- definitely makes sense.
1: And so something super, sorry, I'm going to go off a
0: small tangent, but something <laughs> interesting good. that I learned is let's say you're not
1: getting enough nutrients for yourself. Doesn't matter, like the baby will take all of it. And it's like, no, this is mine. So you're yeah. like, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. Um so you're basically yeah, like so. you
0: could be like a like a dying corpse with like a baby that's growing and <laughs> like in like you ut- utopia.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, but no, I do the same thing, even when I'm in prep, actually. So if yeah. like, if I'm taking the same things every single day. It's just not worth it for me to track it. And uh, I, and I've gotten way better at this, right? Like I'm sure when you and I were first starting out, we tracked everything and we logged all our vitamins, we logged everything and I've just gotten away with it. Cause I'm like, these, this is like one thing that will remain consistent the entire prep. Like if my fat gets cut, I'm not going to cut out my fish oil supplements. Like those are going to stay constant the entire time. I'm just going to manipulate food. So right. like, that's just what I do. So I don't track any of these things. Well, I don't, I don't track actually right now, but <laughs> when yeah. I am tracking, I don't track those things. So it, like you were saying, it's just not worth the hassle. Like
0: it's just taking up too much like mental space to be like, Oh shoot. I didn't track my diet soda. Or like, I didn't plug my three, like three pieces of gum in I had across the day. Like, don't do that. So like, yeah, uh, the other thing is like, uh, the question I get all the time is like, if you use a spray oil, it's like 0.2 seconds is like zero calories or whatever, like it's better than the alternative. If you're trying to cut your fat intake down, just spray the damn pan. Don't be a dick about it, <laughs> and like really, like just you know, like don't like coat it so that it's like dripping off the pan, right? Like just like use a little bit and be consistent with that, and like just just let it be. Like don't do not stress about tracking that sort of stuff. So like that can take like just all those things we listed, like some mental energy off of your plate of like oh I have to plug this thing into my phone. I was just thinking
1: like, the spray and it's like their catchphrase, like, don't be a dick about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just had a million dollar idea. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, so I think, uh, kind of moving on to like worrying about the calories you burn that's on your Apple watch or like how many calories you burn while lifting. And so I had clients and and we've talked about this before. we talked about cardio versus weightlifting, right? Like, yeah, you might burn more calories according to your watch or according to the machine that you're on doing cardio than when you lifted. But, um, again, like are, are your watches super accurate? Is that machine super accurate? And like, how much does that really matter in the long run? So it's just not something that you have to be like super, super concerned about
0: that. And like, always remember what is the goal of cardio? What is the goal of lifting weights? The goal of cardio for a lot of people in like a fat loss journey or like when they hire a coach or they're trying to do this fitness thing, mainly the goal of cardio is to burn calories. So like, yeah, like if you're going to measure calories burn, like I do know coaches like very reputable coaches who track cardio via calories burned on like their watch for the week. And that's how they like quantify it. Like however many minutes it takes you to, to burn this many. Right. I do know coaches that do that. Um, I don't personally do that. I just feel like it's so variable with like technology being faulty, but like, if you're going to do that for anything, it'll be for just like steady state cardio. Right. Um, But then like, remember what is the goal of lifting weights? The goal of lifting weights is to tear muscle tissue. The goal of lifting weights is to create an adaptation that makes you stronger. Sweating more will not change that. You know, having more calories burned won't change that. And so if you are increasing the weight that you're using in the gym, you're increasing your technique, uh, your skill level of technique and expertise and improving the quality of your movements, having better mind muscle connection and getting stronger. That's the metric that counts in the gym. So, like, when you're worried about, like, oh, did I burn like 400 calories or whatever on my leg day? It doesn't matter. Like, yes, your heart rate will spike after you do a heavy set, and like that will, you know, tick off more calories burned or something like that. But, like, ultimately, like, are you pushing yourself? And like, are you really making the progress you need to see in the gym? Is that that's really what counts? So, I think it's important to just kind of like step back and remember, like, why we're doing certain things. And so like the people that are jumping around doing like squats and all that good stuff in the middle of their lift, not only, okay, so yes, it's going to burn more calories for you, but what else does doing that sort of stuff in your lift do? It takes away from the energy that you're actually using on your sets. So it's counterproductive to the purpose of lifting. Uh, and you know, even if more calories burned is your goal at a given time, like say a fat loss phase, it's taking away from you being able to actually build more muscle, which is long-term the best tool and the best advantage that you'll ever have for long-term fat loss and weight maintenance after weight loss. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes to
1: be in the gym, to do a heavy set and then to sit there and be like, wow, I need, I need two, three minutes to like yeah. sit and, and wait until I feel refreshed again, which is one of the things I, I want to say that is fine to do. Like if you are like, Hey, I'm going to take about, you know, 60 seconds, but you feel like, wow, I actually feel like I'm going to die. I need a, I need a little bit more time. That's okay. Don't feel like a person. Yeah, it's good. It means you really push yourself during your set. Um, but if you see the person next to you who finishes a set and then starts doing burpees and starts running around the gym before they do their next set, like, It's hard to to sit there and feel like, wow, I'm a piece of lazy shit, like just sitting here. It's hard to feel like that or want to get up and do more Be like, wow, I probably should push through this rest period. Um, But it, you know, stay in your lane, know that you're, you know, if you're focusing on strength, you're focusing on progressive overload and you know why you're in the gym, it makes it a little bit easier to just kind of be like, well, they can do whatever they want. I'm just going to stay in my
0: lane and do what I need to do. Yeah. Well, it's such a good thing. Like if you get to that point, cause also here, and like, I'm going to generalize because like, this is very, very important. Look at the people who are doing that, who are doing burpees in between their sets, what, like whatever cardio movements, jumping lunges, push ups, air squats, whatever. Look at the weight that they're using in the gym. They're not pushing, you know, multiple plates on a hip thrust. They're not doing, you know, heavy back squats. They've got like, For, like, just like, especially if they've been in the gym for a while, and if you've been in the gym for a while, you can kind of look at someone, see, like, okay, like, this person knows what they're doing to an extent. Like, I feel like they could definitely be moving more weight. Like, I feel like you can kind of see that and be like, okay, this person, like, clearly is like having no trouble, like, squatting this weight and doing it for a bunch of reps. Like, they could definitely do more. It looks like they could do more. Um, those, like, that's a sign, right? Like you're not getting to that point of like total failure. Cause here's what will happen if I do a hip thrust set with my like 225 plus pounds. Right. And I do 10, 15 reps, who knows? And this was literally the other day. I think it was yesterday. So like, I remember this vividly. I set my timer on my app for 90 seconds and I went to go like grab some five pound plates to throw them on. By the time I had put the five pound plates on, I was still breathing heavily and my glutes were still on fire. I sat back down. The timer went off as soon as I had put the plates back on. I was like, wait, are you kidding me? So I took like another 30, 60 seconds after that because I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what would happen if I had shortened that rest period to 60 seconds and had done like high knees? Throughout like the rest period, how many reps do you think I would have gotten with the two hundred and twenty five plus pounds? Right, like I would have maybe gotten like fifteen the first set, and then like six the second because I'd just be so burnt out, and then it's like your quality of your workout just like just plummets.
1: Yeah, yeah. So don't be that person at the gym if you don't need to be, <laughs> if you don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Um, So I, I want to go back because we did kind of touch on those coaches who do implement the calorie-based cardio. And so one of the things I do want to point out is typically with those clients, they're more like more than likely contest prep clients. Oh yeah. Super advanced. Yeah. Very advanced. And their constants, like pretty much remain the same. Like they have a piece of cardio equipment at home that they use, um, or they like, they don't really travel or go out of town. Like they're, they have one thing on their mind and one thing that they're focused on. So it's not like they're going from gym to gym, to gym, doing all these different machines and different things. And so that it's, it's, it's very, very, very constant and it's for a very specific purpose. So, um, if you are doing that and that's, how you've been doing cardio, you know, don't feel like you need to change or anything like that, but that is typically what that was kind of like for those type of coaches. It's usually contest prep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a lot I could say about that. And it's like, if you are tracking your cardio by calories and you're stuck, think about changing that method and like doing a progressive increase of like time or intensity with your cardio instead, you might get a lot more out of it, but I'm going to leave that for, for another time. Let's, let's move yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next thing that's not worth our sweat here is trying to figure out the perfect routine. So Christina brought up this example, uh, especially with diet, it's like, you see people doing like a full day of eating or whatever. And it's like, you know, I, I had an experience with a client in particular who, so she actually signed on for training only basically, because like we talked And she was like, and I don't think she was ever going to listen to this, but she was basically like, I have my diet figured out. It's perfect. It's like, I've read all these books, like by doctors and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here like, just kind of like, okay, so like, why are we on this phone call? Because like, you don't respect my opinion for nutrition coaching. And like, you clearly like have made that very clear. And I was just like, I'm just going to step off because I don't. I don't want to start this fight, but like, I feel like I do know better than you because you have shown me with like just a couple of sentences that you actually can't stick to this diet, but whatever, whatever. You know what? I stepped back. She was like, Thank you so much for respecting my choices. I'd like to sign on. I was like, Okay, this is weird, but she's great. I love her, but that was a weird uh, interaction. But basically, like, she tried to figure out this like perfect diet, right? Where she is basically like all plant based, like, basically vegan but like with this this and this exception and like it, it emphasizing these specific foods or whatever. And she was like this is my perfect diet. I feel so much better when I'm running it. And I'm like of course you do. It's all freaking vegetables like nutrients like you of course you feel better. But like you're you're literally telling me every single week now because our our client questionnaire like for each check-in has nutrition questions. So she's answering it like Oh, I'm eating so much junk on the weekends. I feel awful after the weekends. And I'm like you know, we could have avoided this if like you had respected my opinion to help you with this, but we're going to work with it. And so basically we were able to make a little bit of leeway in there. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just asking some questions like, okay, why do you think that is, you know, what, what kinds of things are you struggling with? Okay. How can you implement those things in moderation? Like we got somewhere, but yeah, that was like frustrating because she had like this idea of like, it has to be this perfect diet that, like basically ruined her ability to actually stick to anything. Yeah.
1: So it's like, yeah, you see this influencer or this doctor saying like, you need to eat this, this is this superfood, or you can only eat. And so you try to do that. But if like, I don't know the example we brought up earlier, when we were talking off air was like, you know, Oh, eat Brussels sprouts for every meal. But if you hate Brussels sprouts, then that's not a perfect diet for you because you're not going to want to eat it. And yeah. you're going to be like, Oh God, I don't like, I don't want my prep meal. Like I'm going to eat like macaroni and cheese or something, but <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad, but it's like, if you want that, like eat that in moderation. And if you can have like a serving of that and then, you know, chicken and like a side salad or something like that's, that's perfect. Like you don't have to eat a salad for every single meal. If you don't like that now, of course, you know, like You probably will need to incorporate some fruits and vegetables, some you know lean protein, and the idea is to figure out kind of like what works for you. And we had talked about this before. You had a client who like couldn't eat chicken, and you're like, "Well, how are you preparing it? Like, if you just boil it, and it's just like super (laughs) bland, disgusting. Yeah, that's not. I wouldn't want to eat that either. So it's like trying to figure out like what can I do in order to like you know." make a vegetable more palatable. (laughs) Um, but if like, you really hate Brussels sprouts and like,
0: don't put them into your diet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, so we, we talk about this with, with diet, but also like trying to find the perfect supplement stack or the perfect training routine. And it's like, it's, it's always about you know, it comes back down to, and you hear this example a lot with training routines always comes back to, you know, you can have the best training plan in the world. Like it could be this like elaborate, like, you know, the best trainer in the world uses this for his elite athletes. And if you do this plan to a T, you're going to see the best results, but like what happens if like, it's just too much for you and it's too much time, too much load, too much, you know, whatever. And you actually injure yourself on like the first week of it because it was just too much like, of course it's not the right plan for you then. Right. Like you obviously could have made way more progress with something better if you had just stayed uninjured. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. like, so really figuring out like, again, the cliche, but, but what, what works best for you. And this actually big brings me to think about just a conversation I was having with someone yesterday as well, separate person. Um, but really just talking about like, you know, coaching is not this thing where it's like, you pass out this flyer of like, here's your workouts and here's your diet. And it's this perfect plan and it works for everybody. Like it's not one size fits all. It's really about like, how do we help you figure out what those meals need to look like for you? How do we help you figure out what your actual perfect diet is? Meaning like your full understanding of what your day-to-day needs to look like, how you can have balance on the weekends and how you can just have peace with eating as a whole, because we have to eat. And and unless, you you know, we want to starve ourselves, but basically we have to, we have to eat, otherwise we'll die. So we have to make these choices every day. So it's, it's like, we have to figure out how can we stress less about this and know that we're making the right choices for us because we're never going to live in your body. We're never going to know your preferences. We're never going to be able to tell you what's best for you. Cause you, you, you know, you as the client, you as a person know your own body the best. So if you're, listening to this and you're watching social media and all these people are yelling at you that like this diet and this diet is the best thing for you. um, Or like, you know, this diet is the best for like moms over 30 who work a full-time job or whatever. Right. It's like, no, ultimately the best diet for you is going to come from you. And sometimes you just need someone to elicit the, the right or ask you the right questions to elicit what that actually is or looks like for you.
1: Yeah. And so this made me think of one client in particular, we were talking about, you know, the, how many, how many days should I be working out? And I'm like, well, how many days can you realistically work out? And so it's like, well, I could probably do three weeks or three, three days a week. I'm like, all right, then let's start with three. Or, you know, let's do two and we'll have one optional day where if you have time, we'll do three. Because if I said, okay, well, I, I hear you, that you can do three, however, let's do six. And so <laughs> we have a client who is like, oh, okay. And they think that this is what they need to do in order to see results, but they can only work out three days a week. And then they start to feel like shit that they haven't gotten in those other three workouts. Well, then they start to feel like a failure and they're going to be like, well, I'm not going to do anything because I've already failed anyway. So like, yeah, maybe, maybe six would have been like, I don't know better. I don't think it is, but you know, now you have this like mental aspect of it too. And if you're stressing about trying to get in those other workouts that it just causes you more like panic (laughs) then it's like, then for you, six workouts isn't worth it. Like just do three. And if you can do those three every single week for weeks on out, then that's great for you.
0: Yeah. It made me think of, you made me think of um, the, one of the three DMJ episodes I was listening to earlier, but Eric Helms was basically, he was joking, but he was half joking because he was basically like, I was talking to a client. And basically I was explaining to him how coaching actually works. You know, it's like, I'm going to a- answer most of your questions with questions. And like, I'm, it's going to be annoying. And like, you're going to basically have to figure this stuff out with me as your guide. And so the the guy was basically like, so what you're saying is I'm paying you money to have, so that I can just guide myself. And it's like, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but <Yeah>. like <laughs> facilitated.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause like, obviously my, my education is, is counseling. And so I have that background and it's like a, you know, a counseling session or therapy session, you basically it's, it, you're, you're guiding the client to figure out the answer themselves, because like, it doesn't make sense for you to just be this like authoritarian, like do this, do that, do that. It's like, you know, when your parents tell you that you're like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just, it, it is more powerful to have the client or, you know, the, uh, I guess it were client for both situations to have them figure it out themselves. It makes it more of this, like, oh, I, I came up with this. Yeah. This was my idea. And they're more bought in than if it was just like, well, my coach says I have to do this.
0: Yeah. It's like, I came up with this. I set this goal. I decided that I'm going to do this. Like you have that ownership over your, Mm -hmm. over your decisions then. And it's not just like, Oh, this person's telling me what to do. It's like, Oh, like I, I have full responsibility over this choice. Yeah. So basically long story short, don't try to figure out what the perfect routine is or the best diet or the best training routine. Like try to figure out what actually works for you. Yeah, And we've, we've talked about this multiple times, like, cause I feel like so many
1: people try to hack what is the most optimal or what's the best. So it's like, let's say you have your schedule, right. And you read something somewhere that working out in the morning is the best that is optimal, but you have to be at work at 4am. So, is working out in the morning going to be the most optimal for you? No, absolutely not. Like, it probably doesn't make sense for you to have to wake up at 1 30 to go to the gym at two to get back, shower, and then be ready by work before. Like, that doesn't make sense. So, yeah, maybe that's what someone says is the best, but that's just not going to work for your schedule. So, I think a lot of times it's like, don't try to force things if it's really just not going to work at all because it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, ask yourself the question, what is the most optimal thing that I can do within my current constraints and what I'm willing to do? Yeah. Is the, is the key question here. Um, So last thing that's not really worth your sweat. And this is just kind of like a general thing is just worrying. And I just wanted to touch on this from a mindset standpoint, because worrying is just such wasted energy and I hate it. And it's like, I hate that I catch myself worrying about things and we all worry. But like, if you really think about what worrying is, it's basically like fantasizing future situations of things that probably won't happen and basically like catastrophizing those things in our brain, because like, what, we don't have anything better to do. Like, so basically we're, we're, spending energy creating anxiety over something that hasn't happened yet that we have control most likely have control over the outcome for and if we don't then why are we you know painting all these different pictures if we have no control over the outcome right so i think just like in general it's like will i see progress like what's changing what's not changing like uh did i you know am i going to hit my macros at this dinner yet like it's like if you are not actively problem solving and like doing something to like plan or like prepare, then stop thinking about the future and be in the present because it's going to serve you so much more to think about like, what can I do right now? That's going to be productive for like right now or in the future versus being like sitting there and just being like, man, like, I wonder if like, I'm going to be pressured to drink more than I want to at this thing. And if that's going to set me off with my goals. Instead, like we could be plugging in some alcohol to your macros ahead of time. We could be, you know, establishing with yourself, the fact that you're going to stick to your drink limit. Um, you know, we could be proactively planning instead of just like sitting there and kind of like, "Eh," like, I wonder what's going to happen. I'm scared.
1: Yeah. Um, so I have a client in particular that I'm thinking about who, she was very neurotic with her macros and she was trying to be the most optimal with everything. And same thing with her training. I really want to grow, you know, this area of my body. So should I add in extra volume? I'm worried that I'm not doing enough. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And every single week it was something in particular that she was stressing about. And I kind of, and it was pretty much every single check-in. It was like, Hey, like we really need to try to mitigate stress because if you are in this heightened state of stress every single day, every single week, you are, you, you like, your mentality is, is holding back your progress. Like you were the only thing that's holding back your progress. Whereas it, yeah, it's hard sometimes to just kind of let go and trust the process. But if you know that you're controlling, your controllables, controllable. So you're going to the gym, you're training hard, you're following, you know, what, uh, what pr- pretty much a pretty good diet, you know, you're doing all those things it's just not worth it to stress. Like, did I make progress today? Did my, you know, glutes grow? Did this happen? Like, am I, am I looking leaner? Um, so I, for those types of clients, it's like, we, like you said, like, if we're not problem solving, if we're not trying to figure out what we can do to, to ensure, to calm our minds down, be like, you know what? I I am like trying to reframe, like, I am worried that I'm not making progress, but I'm going to the gym every single day. Like I'm training hard. Like I'm checking in with my coach. I, um, have someone who's overlooking my diet and making sure that that's on point and just kind of like letting go, it'll make it way more worthwhile to you than trying to like stress over trying to get like a teeny tiny bit better or trying to find out what is the most optimal. It's just like those type of clients just really aren't going to make progress until they figure out a way to just let go and de-stress a little bit.
0: Oh yeah, and you know, the other thing that that does is worrying about like, oh, could I be doing this? Could I be doing this? Could I, you know, all these extra things. It's like the people that wonder those things often let the basic stuff slip. And then when the basic stuff slips, they basically Sometimes we'll attribute that to like, oh, it's because I'm not doing this like extra thing that I was thinking about. And then it just creates doubt and distrust in the process. And then it just makes it harder to let go. So it's this toxic cycle, really. Um, So I think it's really important. It's like, okay, make sure you're checking the boxes of like the things that you need to be doing. And we'll talk about that next. But like if you are checking those boxes, you have to learn to let go because if not you you're going to create doubt in yourself doubt in the process doubt in the person that's coaching you and i've had this before same thing where like the person is so worried about what else they could be doing that they doubt the actual process itself. Like, is this actually going to work? I think this is all like a sham, like this is, you know, whatever it's, it's probably, it's probably not worth it. And then it's like, okay, well, what behaviors does that mindset facilitate? Right. If you say, oh, well, it's probably not worth it. It's probably not actually going to work. What do you think you're going to do with that? (laughs) Like probably going to go off track and then self-sabotage. It makes me think of this meme. And I think you had
1: posted it because I had sent it to one of my clients where she was stressed and she felt a little bit worn down. So I asked her to take like two days off, like no training. I think
0: I know Uh, what you're talking about. (laughs) Was it the samurai sword? sword?
1: (laughs) 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 But yeah, so the coach is like uh, asking their client, like, hey, do you take those rest days I talked about? And it's like, yes today I went like balls to the wall on squats right now
0: yeah out on so it's like <laughs> the sword is like very very slightly pulled out you just see the yes <laughs> and then it's like you pull it all the way out it's like just kidding it's
1: like, yes today I maxed out on squats <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so
1: I, I sent that to one of my clients and she's like that's me and I'm like I know that's all I'm say to you, um, but I do think it's funny, like, again, to kind of have that relationship with your clients where you can be like, hey, did you do what I asked? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like what can we do next time? Yeah. Honesty <laughs> um, is great.
0: I love honesty.
1: Yeah. But um, yeah, that's just something that I, I talked about. So sometimes, again, I feel like with those type of clients who they worry so much that they, they, they feel like they could be doing more. And so we've talked about people like this, where they're like, I want to add more volume. I want to add more this. I want to do
0: more that more cardio, more, you know, more, more optimal. And sometimes less is more.
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, sometimes as client or as as coaches, we're like, Hey, let's, let's just take two days off. Like, let's just take a mental break. Like, let's just slow down, pause. Like, let's do some things to mitigate stress a little bit and, and see what happens. And it almost feels like a step backwards, right? Like you feel like, no, I, but no, I I can't do less. Like I'm going to ruin all my progress. Like I need to be doing more. So like sometimes there is like a method to the madness with coaches (laughs) and and we are trying to do things to help, but I feel like for those clients in particular, yeah. Sometimes scaling back and doing less is actually what your body needs to progress.
0: Yeah. And like with those types of people, I oftentimes feel like I'm like, how can I like almost trick this person into like believing that doing a little bit less right now is good like because it's like they don't see it any other way so it's like right. it's it's really like okay if you're one of those people that worries like i could be doing more i could be doing more like i just feel like there's always like this next thing that like and i'm just worried just remember that worry creates doubt which creates a distrust in the process which typically creates a sense of helplessness and self sabotage so The only way to reverse that is to realize that if you're doing everything you're being asked to do or should be doing, and you're checking those boxes, there's probably not much else that you could be doing. (laughs) And like, it has to end at that. Like fitness does not have to consume your entire life. And I feel like some people feel like it has to, for them to be making progress, but I had a a conversation with a client the other last week and she was like, I'm kind of worried. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, I like, I just don't think about all the stuff that I should be doing anymore, but I'm still doing it. It's just like automatic, but I just don't think about it. And I was like, that's a really good thing. I was like, it has fallen into the background, but it's still, you're still doing all those things. Like, like, I need you to realize like, this is the place where you are going to operate 95% of the time. And like, we have to learn to have some peace with that. And then And then it's like, okay, well, if we want to do this like temporary fat loss phase or like do this other goal, like temporarily, it's like, that will take up more mental space and energy. Yes. But we have to realize like, after that you will be going back to, this is the baseline. Like it has to be this easy. Otherwise it's not going to stick. Like this is good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I have a client exact same conversation. She's like, you know, I feel like I can be working on something right now. And I'm like, you're hitting your macros. You're drinking your water you're eating your fruits and vegetables you're going to the gym like you're four times a week you're doing everything you need to be doing like this is that that's it this is it you have have arrived (laughs) yeah like you you've reached like the end destination so it's it's hard because it's like when you like when you've hit all of those foundations of the pyramid and you've checked them off and they don't feel like work anymore that, yeah, same thing. It's like, and you've, you've got that top little box where you've Nirvana. Yeah. (laughs) Supplements, like you're doing everything right. And it's, it's hard because you're like, you have that feeling of kind of like, okay, what's next, but it's like, no, 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 no. let's hang out here and let's keep doing what you're doing every single day over a long period of time. And that's where the magic happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I guess like, really, I want to hit home with the worrying, like, Your progress is going to be the result of your actions and the things, the boxes that you check, the things that you do, and it's not going to be the result of your worrying. So like if you feel like you're doing something by like worrying about your progress, you're not, you're most likely taken away from it. And so now let's let's close out with what is worth the sweat. And so we've kind of basically touched on this and you've listed them off in just that last conversation you were describing, but, um, quickly, you know, energy balance, food quality, you know, eating stuff that makes you feel good eating the right amount of calories for your goal, mental health and stress management, like, especially with the worrying stuff, sleep, sleeping well, training hard, listening to your body when it needs it. And then just doing that literally for, a long period of time day in day out. Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't really feel like there's anything else for us to add and we have kind of gone over the muscle and strength pyramid. So
0: if you do want to listen to that
1: episode um, 14, dang, you're good.
0: Yeah. I I sent it to someone recently. So (laughs)
1: Uh, I was like, wow, look at you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, episode 14, that's a really, really good one with Eric Helms. And so we do kind of go over those basics. So if you did make it all the way through and you're at the end, you're listening to this right now and you're like, okay, now I know not everything not to do. Um, that's a really good episode to be like, how do I get the basics? How do I reach that Nirvana? Um, that's a really good one. But other than that, I think we've kind of covered everything.
0: Yeah, no, I just feel like one final point is like, if you like, I think going back to the the example I gave in the beginning, it's like the person that really applies himself at the beginning, like goes really hard, learns everything. That's good. It's like the faster you can get to the point where like you are doing everything and like, it feels easy is good. And so like, one thing I just want to hit home is like, well, yes, the juice is absolutely worth the squeeze, but like also you don't need to be squeezing that hard. Like fitness should not be all-encompassing, like taking over your whole life. Like it should just be like this thing that operates in the background that like you, yes, you have to put some effort in to like continue doing. It's not totally automatic. You're not a robot, but it's like, it should just kind of be this thing that exists in your life and not much more than that. Like, (laughs) I think some people think it needs to be like, I need to make a fitness Instagram. I need to make this my whole life. And like, some people take it that far. We've taken Mm -hmm. it that far, but like for 99% of you guys, like it can just operate there. And that's, that's good. And like, again, the juice is worth the squeeze, but again, you don't need to drain the whole freaking lemon or the whole, whatever you're squeezing (laughs) to get the most out of your fitness journey. Like, it's just, you know, to, to keep the analogy intact. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) So don't squeeze the life out of your lemon. (laughs) Yeah. I think
0: I, I think I got the (laughs) point (laughs) across.
1: Um, well, yeah, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and you got something out of it. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn fit and Marissa at Marissa Roy fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed episode 50 and we hope to see you back next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.